Hello and welcome to the Midnight Film Review. My name is Brian Stevens. And I just flew in from Abu Ghraib and boy are my arms tired. (laughs) (laughs) What a uh, Abu Ghraib. Okay. That was a wasn't expecting that one, Drew. It's thematically appropriate, Brian. Okay, yeah, there we go. It is. It fits in line. Um, I don't know. I can't can't believe that. I totally forgot what movie we were reviewing. Um, So (laughs) that's why I didn't connect. And also, I watched this movie like a month ago. Um, But I'm really stoked to talk to you about it, Drew. I cannot tell you. Because I, I have no idea what you think of this. We haven't talked about this. I haven't seen a letterbox review, so I'm, I'm really interested. For those who don't know what I'm talking about, we're reviewing the card counter, which is, should be the you know you should know from the title of the show, right? I mean, you, you click the it. damn link, right? Uh, we have an email from an old school uh, emailer, and uh, by the way, if they want to email um, the podcast, Drew, could you tell them how to do that? Uh, cult of pop at gmail.com that is cult with a k of pop at gmail.com and we'll read uh, whatever your email is it doesn't matter uh trying to think uh we have a couple media hot takes uh we each have one and then i have a couple recommendations kind of a media hot take i mean it's media right it's media right new media new media um and then uh yeah okay then our review oh oh, uh, facebook.com slash cult of pop uh, TikTok at Call to Pop, Twitter at Call to Pop, uh, Call to Pop dot com. Guys, I uh, Drew, did you get a chance by by chance to read any of uh, my article that I wrote? I haven't looked yet. I feel really bad. No, that's okay. No, no worries. It's not going anywhere. Um, so what I'm doing, and I, I didn't take Drew's advice because I just didn't have time. If those listened to the last episode on uh, the Midnight Film Review Instagram, on my Instagram, on Twitter. Uh, I'm just running a poll, um, and uh, it's two movies in a subgenre of horror. You guys pick what it is. I look at the three different places that these pop up, and I average them out and see what I should watch. I watch it, and then at the end of the week, there's five movies. I rank them, which I think is the best to worst, or worst to best. And uh, this week, it's slashers. So be on the lookout for those uh, and i'm doing like by the way these are like movies i either haven't seen or i've seen once and it's been a long time so i think you should do one week where it's funny games the german version and funny <laughs> games the english version okay well i've seen the english version i've never actually seen the german version y- yes you have because they're almost identical oh films. that's true shot for shot same director right everything just, michael haneke yep. yeah uh man that talk about a br- just a brutal movie Anyways. I think I might have missed. I think it might be like Mikhail. I know I've heard people pronounce it right. I just don't have the uh, the skills or knowledge to do so. So, Mike, if you're watching, listening, <laughs> my bad. Let us know, uh, Drew. <laughs> I, email the podcast. Email the podcast. Um, I mean, I can't. I can barely pronounce uh, my name correctly, so I'm not the person to ask. But Drew, we do have an email this week from a longtime listener, and. I am so excited when I saw his name in, in, in here. I, I I almost instantly orgasmed. Uh, that's one uh, Rob Bob is back. He was on mic too. I think I have known the name Rob Bob and the emails that follow longer than like you and I have been in contact, Brian. Uh, yeah, yeah. Probably. Uh, he might have been writing in emails to the original Midnight Film Review before I even did. I think you're correct. I think he might have been one of, and I, you know, I, I, in full transparency, Rob Bob is a good personal friend. I haven't seen him in a long time, so Rob Bob, if you're listening, I miss you. Hopefully, we can get in contact. And uh, where see are you? Where are you? Um, but yeah, he's he's been a, one of our, our number one fans for a long time, and I I haven't read this email, so I don't know what it's gonna say, but I I'm excited. So, uh, it, and this is a long email, by the way. So it. Uh, just hold your horses. This says important stuff or, and or nonsense. Yo, Brian and filmers at Midnight Film Review. <laughs> I've seen better film on teeth. <laughs> Sorry, that's good. I haven't heard your podcast in a while. I've been busy getting my ass kicked. You sound as smooth as ever, Brian. You must <laughs> still be taking many hot oral loads. <laughs> I saw an old movie I heard mentioned on the show. Uh, thanks for that. It was The Sorcerer from 1977. I have some comments about it. One, 
I didn't like the title of the movie. It's not about magic at all. There was no Harry Potter or naked Emma Watson. I thought the movie was cut up wrong. The movie starts with three or so separate threads, and then it gets to the main thread or rope that ties the threads together of driving trucks in the jungle. But the main thread doesn't start until halfway through the movie. It would have been better to start with the trucks and then flash back to the threads of the characters background. It's probably better for a movie goers to ask who are these people rather than what the hell is going on. The trucks crossing the bridge was one of the craziest scenes ever filmed. I have no idea how they did that. How many people died filming that scene? Did you see Roy Schneider's face? Was he hit with a, a table sander as a kid? His face is flat as Faye Dunaway's ass in Chinatown. And his nose is elongated like the melting taffy. He looks like a... Sorry. He looks like a... I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right. Madagalani painting? Madagalani painting? The movie also had the best way to open a bottle of Coke or beer with a gun. Later, bros. Rob Bob out. Sent for my iPhone without using my penis. That was one of... Uh, if, you de- if you've been listening to this podcast and you've never heard an email from Rob Bob, that was one of the most uh, Rob Bob emails of all time. Oh, thoughts on that email at all, Drew? I still got to watch Sorcerer. I've been recommended... <laughs> it's been recommended to me by multiple people, and I'm just like, yeah, I'll get to it. I'm glad that's um, what you took away from that email. Um, yes. Yeah, I mean, just, like, really, I feel like I've already seen it. Yeah. I, mean, I have seen it now that I know what uh, faces look like, and maybe I won't watch it now because it's cut improperly, and I'll just be too confused. There we go. Uh, it's Actually, it's a movie that I haven't seen either. I know um, Owen liked it, and uh, Colin right, has seen it. Yeah. Owen, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And Colin has seen it and recommended it, so... There, that's two people, and now Rob Bob. So I, maybe that's a movie that we'll have to do in a retrospective one at some point. Okay, then multiple people have not recommended it to me. Just my friend Owen. <laughs> there we go. Um, so, anyways, thanks for the emails, Rob Bob. That was a classic. Hope you're doing well. Uh, look forward to hearing from you again soon. Please, you know, keep up the podcast, man. We miss you. Um, it's good hearing from you. Uh, all right, let's get on to some media hot takes, Drew. Um. I'll, I'll, I'll kick it off with my media hot take and then you can give yours and then I'll give my two, um, suggestions. Your two NFTs. Yeah. My two NFTs. Right. So I, I don't know if I mentioned this on the pod. Did I mention midnight mass on the podcast last week? No, but I listened to another podcast this morning where they were talking about it. So I'm excited to hear your thoughts. So I, Mike Flanagan to me is one of the more, um, I don't want to say creative because I think he pulls a lot from other works, but I think in my mind, he's one of the more, the more, um, uh, man, I, 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 I enjoy his work. Right. So, uh, for those who don't know, he is the writer behind the, the writer, creator, director behind, um, the haunting of Hill house, which was a huge success a couple years ago, last year, um, Bly Manor. Um, he's also, written and directed things like Oculus. Have you seen Oculus? I have not. Uh, I couldn't remember if you've seen that or not. Uh, he's also written and directed Dr. Sleep, which uh, was the sequel to, which I haven't seen. Do- have you seen Dr. Sleep? Either? I haven't. I know people who are like completely bled on it. And then people who are like, everyone needs to see fucking Dr. Sleep. Yeah. Why are more people not talking about Dr. Sleep? So, yeah. And I, I haven't seen it either. And I, I, I just it's one of those ones where I don't know why I haven't seen it. Uh, uh, Ouija: The Origin of Evil, which um, Colin and I reviewed on here, we we really liked it. I was surprised because it was a Ouija movie, and I was like, "Oh, this is actually good." Uh, but most famously, uh, he—I shouldn't say most famously, but most famously within the Midnight Film Review, he wrote and directed a movie, the movie Hush, which was a pretty decent sized hit for Netflix, and. Um, I loved and Colin infamously hated, and that was like one of our most contentious episodes. Have you seen Hush, Drew? I have. Hush is fine. I uh, think it's a fun concept. I like the audio, like mm-hmm. what they do. Like, yeah, it's been a minute since I've seen Hush. Um, the the use of like that, like the quiet place thing mm-hmm. yeah. of no sound because you're in a deaf person's head, and I think that's a fun idea for a slasher movie. I just think. 
it doesn't really stick to any sort of like real world limitations, which yeah. hurt it for me a little bit. There's just a lot of like teleporting. Yeah, that was kind of I think um, Colin's big issue, and I didn't have uh, it's, it's hard to argue with. But anyways, I, I laid out pretty much everything that Mike Flanagan's done. But I will say that uh, if a Haunting of Hill House is his 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 um, apex. Uh, the Mid- Midnight Mass is close behind it. I think he is definitely more suitable for television writing, and he where he can tell a story and kind of mold it in a in a weird way, um, it, because he's a very weird writer and director. This show did something just profound to me, because this this is uh this is a show that's primarily uh, it's a show that is very centered on religion, but it's about more than just religion. It's about religion's relationship, uh, with community and with science. And I, I don't, it, without you watching it or seeing it, it's hard for me to explain it. And it, I would have to literally break down every episode, but it is just, just brilliant, gorgeous writing. And most of this is told, um, through conversation there this is not a even though there are some action beats in it and there is horror in it um it is it is very much a play in a lot of ways like all of it yeah, takes there's a lot of monologuing tons of monologuing tons of monologues tons of one-on-one conversations um but honestly the acting in this is profound just absolutely outstanding i I just, I can't, I loved this. I know that there was people who uh, were kind of just like kind of middle of the road, but for me, um, there was a big enough gut punch in this to, to, you know, pull at the heartstrings, the gore and the horror was enough. But honestly, the, the, the themes and the struggle between science, religion, and then just community was beautiful to me. I, I, I really, truly, I know people have said like, oh, it doesn't say anything new about religion or, or science and their relationship. And it doesn't, but at the same time, it's, it, I think it opens up that box and, um, yeah. Also, what else do you want people? Like <laughs> we've been having these conversations for thousands of years. It's kind of tough to bring something new to the table. But right. like, yeah. I just had this epiphany about God recently, <laughs> actually. Um, right. I have a question about this show. Brian. Yeah, go ahead. And you probably can't answer it. I've heard, because I don't really know much about the horror aspects of it. Uh, the thing that convinced me that this is something I'm going to pretend that I'm going to watch for a couple months and <laughs> yeah. never do. Yeah. Is that it's like a, it's New England mm-hmm. as the setting. I'm like, I know New England. But I also, the podcast I was listening to this morning, the Fire Escape cast. Check it out. Very good uh, video game podcast for everyone at home. Um, bi-weekly, you know three hour episodes but the 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 person talking about it was like oh yeah it there's like it becomes a monster thing at some point but i can't tell you without spoiling it and i really would like to know what kind of monster it is is it a spoiler to tell me um the way it it it, i believe it's it is just because of the way the show is set up ultimately i don't think it has any truly true effect on the story but I think it would be kind of disappointing if you knew going in. I think skeletons. It is skeletons. Yes. Yes. Uh, I think if you honestly, um, I don't. I don't. It is a spoiler. I wouldn't say that it would spoil. Like if I told you off air, I don't think it's going to spoil anything for you. Put it that way. There's not like some big reveal. I don't think. Um, but it was kind of cool finding out as the show progressed because you don't really find out. Uh, there's only seven episodes, and I, I think it's not until episode three or four where, where you understand what is truly going on in terms of a monster. Oh, there was a mummy in the big pyramid in the middle of town. It was Dagon. Do you remember that? Oh, Dagon. Uh, um, yeah. It I, was Bagul. <laughs> it, it's Tony Soprano. He's Gabagul. He's back from the dead. Uh, I think... Yeah, I don't know. I think you might actually like this. Like, I I think this is a a TV show that um that I would say that Drew might get into. After um, this is something I could definitely convince my girlfriend to watch too. We've been 
uh, slowly chipping away at season one of Euphoria because mm, it's on HBO. Mm, yeah. Um, mini media hot take on that. What a weird fucking piece of television. Oh my god, is it like <laughs> really fucking bizarre to me that anyone was like, yeah, we should make a show where we show like <laughs> characters who are supposed to be sixteen, just like graphically fucking every episode. Right. Like, huh? <laughs> yeah that that doesn't honestly that doesn't seem like a, a Drew show, but hope you're hopefully you're enjoying it. The 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 drama's fun. It's something that I really couldn't get into, and I can't explain it. I mean, not that I don't want to see teens graphically fucking, but just wasn't i couldn't get into it man i well, tried i don't <laughs> so you could probably cut all those scenes out and it would be yeah, a couple episodes right shorter. but exactly that's not my media hot take we'll keep going um but yeah anyways i i highly recommend midnight mass it's probably one of the favorite my favorite things i've seen um this year and kudos to mike flanagan i think dude just hey mike if you're listening um mr flanagan just keep keep making TV shows like I think that's your bread and butter. All right, that's it. Watch Midnight Mass. All right, so I would like to talk briefly about some first impressions of the new. Uh, you folks might have heard of this indie game studio Ubisoft. Brian, are you familiar? Um, I think I think they're grassroots, right? They are crowdsourced or crowdfunded, right? Yeah. So it was a GoFundMe campaign. <laughs> um. No, uh, the new the new Far Cry, the new one of those Far Cry six. Uh, Far Cry is a series that I think a lot of people hopped on board with three, and that is a fantastic video game. And the series, with the exception of Far Cry Primal, which is like the caveman Far Cry game that I didn't play, um, they have iterated very little entry to entry, which to a lot of people who play like a ton of games and a ton of open world games i can imagine that being exhausting me who like i get i played like ghost of tsushima last year and that's like kind of open worldy in the same way but the only franchise like this i regularly play when it comes out is far cry um because it's just a very satisfying gameplay loop of like oh i get to go do this one task over and over again and fill my map up, which is probably uh, something that doesn't sound exciting to most people. But if you give me a good map, Brian, I'll, uh, I'll go crazy on it. But yeah, setting of this one, I mean, the stories where it's like completely lost me. And I think they lost me a little bit with five and this, I've just been skipping every single cutscene because it is set in uh, a fictitious Cuba. They don't call it Cuba. I forget what they call it. Um, booba, booba. I think it's booba. <laughs> now I almost said it, but I'm like, no, that's the setting of Far Cry Four because they're all set in these like fictitious versions of real world places. Mm, yeah. Um. But the <laughs> the way they incorporate culture in Spanish into this game is incredibly. It's the most like Taco Bell menu versions of Spanish because this is not a like a, a a Cuban studio or even <laughs> right. a Spanish speaking right. studio doing this. So there's just guns. Oh, You'll Lord. pick up like a, a, like a gold plated pistol and it's called like uh, El Jefe Loco or like something <laughs> ridiculous like that. Yeah. Or it's like, instead of like, there's like a buddy system where you have like companions with you and they're not companions. They're, they're amigos. So there's just a tab on the menu. Oh, it's like Lord. inventory map amigos. Or it's like, I get what they're trying to do or like characters will like, because the game is obviously in English, like most uh, Western made uh, media properties that are set in like Latin countries or foreign countries. Um, just like the overuse of certain words. And like, I am not, a, I do not speak Spanish, but the fact that I'm like, okay, you guys are really saying coño a lot. Like I know what it means. And I think you're probably using it wrong. Um, <laughs> At least in some of these instances. So, oh, and that fucking, like, there's, like, a dog called Chorizo, and there's an alligator. No, I think, yeah, alligator's called Guapo, and that's a companion. They're, like, little animal pets that fight for you. It's real stupid. <laughs> the games have always, like, been kind of stupid. But, like, super, it's like, oh, I threw a C4 onto a 
like a tortoise and waited for it to walk into an enemy convoy and blew it up. But now it's like, yeah, I got like a rocket launcher backpack that shoots like 800 mortars at the same time. And I have an alligator who wears like a bowling shirt who just like rips people apart in a like a fat little dog in one of those dog wheelchairs that carries a machete. It's like so far from those original games. And like wow. they're definitely like a problematic aspect to the like white savior thing of like Far Cry 3 is like I'm Jason Brody. I was just vacationing on spring break with my friends and now I have to fucking kill thousands of of natives of this island um and this it's you're it's more set in uh political upheaval under this fascist dictator played by um oh fuck me what's uh gus from breaking bad oh yeah shit what's his john carlo esposito Esposito, um he's fine his accent's a little weird but it was a little weird in breaking bad so it's like what you expect from him but yeah overall I don't know where I fall on this in terms of recommending it to people. I have had fun with it so far because the loop of sneak into an enemy base, knife as many guys as you can without getting caught and then having it all fall apart and having to go loud. Like that is very satisfying to me. I like games like this, like metal gear solid five, very similar. So if, if that works for you or if you've liked literally any other far cry game before then or before this, you'll, You'll probably enjoy this one Uh, or just fucking buy Far Cry 4. That's probably the best one in the series. And it's like five dollars all the time. I never I've never played Far Cry. I've never played a Far Cry game. Good games. I it's like the only series I like get like consistently like I can't wait for the new one. I'm going to watch the trailer when it comes out. So you think if I were to play, I should start with four. Or three. Uh, three and four are definitely like three is where all the ideas in every Far Cry because two and three are very different games. Mm. If it's the first one, I'd say start with three because I think it has I mean, like the story's not great, but like the antagonist is pretty iconic. Um, but you could you could literally start with any of them and have pretty much equal amounts of fun. Is I'm trying to think. Are are they making a Far Cry movie? There is a Uwe Boll did a Far Cry movie. That's right. I knew that there was. So, have you seen it? Is it any any good? I haven't seen it. No. Um, I feel like Far Cry is one of those things that is easily adapted into film. I, I and it's a popular game, obviously. Like, I'm surprised it hasn't had its own like franchise. Probably because each like the games don't carry forward entry to entry with the exception of five and then there was new dawn which is like a 40 dollar game that used the same map but it was like spoilers for far cry 5 set in montana and a big nuke goes off at the end and kills a ton of people and then far cry new dawn is set in like the the aftermath of the nuclear apocalypse like after radiation is no longer an issue that one's okay um but they're so self-contained and the stories are often like oh my god, I'm trapped in this foreign country and I have to kill my way out. <laughs> that I don't know. <laughs> and there's always some like psychedelic drug aspect to them. But I don't know how easily you could adapt it into film. The first two games have like genetic experimentation and like weird sci-fi stuff going on. None of that in subsequent entries since like the kind of soft reboot that Far Cry 3 was for the series. But so I don't know if this is true, but according to um, Variety, in a, in a Variety 2013 article, that is, uh, <laughs> the, Ubisoft has been trying to develop a Far Cry film based on Far Cry 3 since then, so for the last eight years. So Yeah, that is never fucking happening. Doesn't sound like it. That is also, like, 2013, like, Far Cry 3 came out in 2012, right? 2012 or 2011? No, it was 2012. And people were like gaga over that game being like, holy shit. But now like Far Cry 6 isn't being panned critically, but it's a lot of like, we're still doing this. huh? (laughs) Ten years later, we're still making effectively the same exact game. So, yeah, that'll never happen, probably for the best. And they should probably stop making Far Cry games after a certain point, but they've got my money. So 
they I mean, won't. I was say people said that about Call of Duty for how long, and it's just oh, and like Call of Duty, the 2019 game was like massively successful and still continues to be probably more popular than Black Ops, the one I reviewed. Mm-hmm. Um, Black Ops Cold War or like this new World War Two on the Vanguard, I think it's called. Oh, like, no yeah. one gives a fuck about that. They just want the Warzone Battle Royale, which I think sucks to play, but that's me. What do you got about TikTok, Brian? Oh, yeah. So I wanted to recommend two uh, follows on TikTok. I'm deep in the TikTok hole, just to be honest with you, Drew. Um, I was really reluctant, obviously, to it's another social media. It seemed like it was for 12-year-olds, and um, I, I just I, – I really – was hesitant but once i i got on this app um i became kind of addicted to um to it when you find a good follow it it's it's like it's like mini youtube right it can suck you into a hole because obviously the videos aren't that long and it's easy to to get sucked in and i'll find myself like oh man i've been doing this for an hour now right um have you ever gotten the uh whoa you've been scrolling way too long yes yeah, maybe you should take a break. Uh, screw you, don't tell me what to do. But I think that, I, and I don't know how you feel about this, Drew, and I just kind of, you know, we'll, we'll we'll stop here for a minute and talk about this, but how do you feel about TikTok as a platform? Um, I think the algorithm, the capital A, ooh, algorithm, that TikTok uses that everyone kind of knows about is really disturbing the way it creates basically like, okay, here's everything we can discern about your personality based off the videos you like and use that to tailor the for you page, which is like constantly changing based off of the videos you like trying to find like the perfect sweet spot to keep you on there. Um, and just like endlessly scroll, like literally an endless feed of videos curated for you. (laughs) Like that's fucked up. And I feel like in a, in a better world somebody would step in and be like hey the design of this is really um exploitative mm-hmm. yeah. and addictive and maybe the way like gambling is but it's an app for babies so <laughs> right. you know it, it's the, the whole same thing with like microtransactions and video games like why are we granted there's no like monetary loss with a kid using tiktok all day but like nothing but 30 second videos has to just be like shredding like kids who are in like grade school now just their prefrontal cortex is has got to be mush and people have been saying this but like oh tv but like there is a a noticeable like my youngest sister isn't in grade school but she like she's like oh yeah like Movies kind of take too long, so I just watch like TikTok summaries of movies. Oh, geez, really? It's like, oh, is this where we're going with culture? I mean, maybe, maybe TikTok's lucky because like Quibi tried to yeah. be like, oh, we're TikTok, but for produced content and completely like shit the bed. Like, no one gave a fuck about Quibi other than to make fun of it. But TikTok has like serious staying power. I also think it's because it's so easy to like for a certain type of video to go viral on TikTok that like teenagers are making a lot of yeah where it's like oh we're just making like a silly video or like following the trends I, the the TikTok trends and like the audio thing is what fucks me up the most over it to be honest because it's like how many people need to make the same joke and everyone is convinced they're <laughs> right. like a fucking comedian because they used the TikTok audio in the same way everyone else has been doing it because at least Vine when Vine was big it was like, oh, you have to have some like really sticky one liner in this TikTok for like people to remember or in this vine for people to remember. Yeah. It. But with TikTok, it'll be like my dad will be like, oh, did you see that TikTok? Of, like, <laughs> the guy and he's on his lawnmower and he's like yeah. yelling at his kid. It's like, no, I didn't. Yeah. No, I- I'm with you. It, it the there was like a, a, a serious issue early this year with TikTok and comedians that were uh, basically about ready to quit TikTok because of people stealing their jokes and not like getting credit for it. And then all of a sudden they were blowing up and they were getting a million followers and then they were making merch based off of these, because that's, that's how you make money honestly on TikTok because there is no real way to, to 
the advertising on TikTok is just kind of a joke. Nobody really pays attention to any of that. It's hard to make uh, money off of your TikTok outside of merch. So people make merch. So if you like, for instance, this isn't one of my suggestions, which, but I love it. There's a, um, a gay couple. Uh, I don't, I, I feel like they, they got famous from a Bravo show, but, uh, his, uh, his name is Dakota and his husband's name is Jackson. I think that's right. And he, he is, uh, print fairy, I think maybe might be his, his name, but anyways, they do like, um, like him and his friends, they'll go to a restaurant and they'll talk about their orders or something like that. Um, but uh, his husband always says, uh, and I'm going to wash it down with a, you know, I don't know if you've seen this or not. No, Drew. I, uh, do they ever film them in the car? All the time. Yes, they're in the car. Okay, yeah. yes, I have seen and, this. Yeah, so his husband will go, and I'm going to wash it all down with whatever. So wash it all down is like their thing. So they have, you know, merch with wash it all down. And so like this is how people, but this is how people make money on TikTok, right? So that was a huge issue at the beginning of the year is people were stealing jokes and if they blew it up, then they would start selling merch based off of it. So yeah, TikTok is very problematic, but I'm here to tell you that I've found, uh, and I think you're going to like this drew and I'm not, I didn't purposely tailor this to you, but I found these over the last couple of weeks and I've just been like sucked into music. TikTok. In fact, I, I told my friend, um, Oh shit. I lost it. I, 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 we were texting back and forth and I told her, I said, um, TikTok knows me this is this is my my text to her uh i get nothing but music sports half naked chicks and people shitting themselves <laughs> and that's true right like that's like you said they know what appeals to you so like it's pretty amazing but i've gotten these two i got i started following these two musical um tiktoks and one is i'm sure these are both pretty popular but uh are you familiar with mtv archive I think I've seen their stuff on YouTube, maybe. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. So they basically, it's all live. So it's it's artists from the maybe seventies, eighties, nineties, early two thousands, and it's literally just uh, either them on a late night show or on an MTV um, like live show. It's all live, but it's all filmed. I don't know what it, it's just so appeasing to watch some of these old live shows, and it it it's I, like I will scroll for hours just watching. Like, oh, there's the B fifty twos, and I'll sit there and I watch. Um, uh, I can't even think of a B fifty two song right now. But we, you get my point. Like, you're just all these bands. Some of bands like I haven't thir- thought of in years, and all of a sudden they're popping up on my on my line. I'm just like watching it over and over again. Um, and the other one for is band- go sorry. Ahead. No, go ahead. Or bands that you've never consider like typing i'm like oh such and such the counting crows live on youtube and you're like oh here's what it sounds like yes yes that's exactly there was a band like that and i was like i there was a one-hit wonder and i was like i would never and they actually were pretty good live and i was like man now it made me i didn't go do it but it made me want to like search more of their live shows um chumbawamba live (laughs) chumbawamba live the the other one drew is the guy's name is sewa it's S E I W U H. He plays in the band Astral Planes um, from Denver. But what I like about his channel is he has like different like segments, right? So like um, he has a weekly playlist that he puts out on Spotify. But he also like he he'll, he has like a he'll do like kind of like where are they now kind of things like he just did one whatever happened to the all-american rejects and he... oh i can tell you all about what happened to the all-american rejects brian <laughs> one of the craziest career tra- trajectories anyone has ever taken that man tyson ritter but it, it, I is, cr- it is crazy right truly when i found his spotify under his new name my jaw dropped and reading his <laughs> artist description yeah. i was like this is one of the craziest things that any like why is nobody everyone go look up what Tyson Ritter from the all American rejects is up to or was up to. Cause it's, it's a fucking rabbit hole. Well, but anyway, yeah, go, go, go follow, uh, Sewa Sewa on TikTok, And he, he, he does a whole three minutes on what happened to all American rejects. The, the band members did really crazy things. They all have done really weird, diverse things. Um, and it's, 
like insane and they're all like really talented and like one's a photographer now like a professional photographer anyways um and then he has like five slept on emo bands part 30 uh just like he has this like just there's a lot of stuff here uh band submission requests um emo songs that used uh that use samples from movies and tv part nine um lots of emo stuff so maybe that's why it was in my feed but uh, I'm just like emo, emo, emo. It's just everything. But anyways, really interesting. And he does it like this in the short documentary style that really is like interesting to me. Um, and then he's not, he's honestly he's a good musician himself. His music's not bad. Um, so yeah, I understand the depths of depravity within TikTok and why it's problematic and why it's um, not exactly a good thing but also man there's some really good content that i just can't get away from like the uh the recent tiktok trend of uh like high school boys just stealing from their schools seeing the most absurd did you see these yes what yes what is wrong with people like do you... and then like my favorite are school's announcements where it's like somebody pissed in the soap <laughs> dispenser like the principal <laughs> yeah. over the pa right yeah right but I also like. Let's be honest. This this shit was happening before TikTok. It just now people are filming it, and it's like you're an idiot for filming yourself now and making it a fad. Yeah, and making it a fad. Um, Stealing like exit signs. Yeah. Right. Uh, I I will always um, talk shit about social media and the problems that lie within it, but I also understand that there's merit to it, and I and I and I, I enjoy it. Like I I'm not gonna like. I'm not going to be that old curmudgeon who's on, on the, you know, my high horse, but back in my day, we, we, we had aim. Well, guess what? We talked a bunch of shit on aim too. And, um, it was, uh, anyways, I'm showing my age. Anyways, my point is there's good within the bad. True. I think if you're looking for one other good music, TikTok account that I follow, I believe her account name is the yellow button. Um, talks a lot about like emo and punk music and also one I mentioned to you before the show, probably not probably hands down the best account on TikTok. The only one that I'm like genuinely excited every time it shows up is the TikTok 10 daily quiz show from this Australian guy. I mean, he's like pretty young, but I believe he writes questions for some Australian game show, but does his own little like, okay, here's like 10 rapid fire. Um, usually pop culture related trivia questions that you get like a couple seconds to answer each. So like you play along with it every day and it's very fun. And I suggest people check that one out as well. Well, thank you. I will now add that to the list. So, you know, check back for TikTok corner. That may be something we're doing in the future. You know, we're just telling you TikTokers to follow, right? Right. Yeah, fuck movies. This is way easier. <laughs> All right. I think that's going to do it for media hot takes. Drew, let's, let's review card counter. The card counter. You ready for that? You ready to do that? You want to do it? I'm good to go. All right. So we had been talking about reviewing this movie for a while, um, and you finally saw it a couple a uh, couple days ago, correct? Yeah. Um, and did you were you able to watch this at home, or did you have to go to a theater to see it? Uh, my legal team has advised me not to answer questions regarding how I watched the card counter. S- same here. Same here. Uh, I I kind of forgot about this movie. Uh, and for those who don't know, so the, the card counter stars um, Oscar Isaac. Uh, it's directed by Paul Schrader. It also um, stars Ty Sheridan and Tiffany Haddish, uh, Willem Dafoe. Those are like probably the main people in this movie. Um, it's... I'll just brief synopsis synopsis. Uh, Oscar Isaac's character, William tell just wants to play cards. Um, he's an ex, um, military. Um, I can't remember what part of the military he was in, and this doesn't say, but anyways, he was, uh, in the military. He ends up running into Ty Sheridan's character, who is his, uh, his father was a member of the military and he's trying to basically, this angry, vulnerable young man, he's trying to help him um, to keep him from executing a revenge plot on a military colonel. You think that's good enough synopsis? I don't think I spoiled anything there. Yeah, and I don't... This is not like a like a twist movie, necessarily. 
Mm-mm. Yeah. Um, but it's also a slow burn Paul Schrader movie where like the the depths of it sort of unfold over time, and I think it's best to go into it with like it's a movie about a guy who plays poker good. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Um. So just what are your what are your initial thoughts on this? We'll, we'll make it brief and then we'll get to spoilers because I feel like there's a lot, like you said, there's a lot that just could be spoiled and kind of ruin the film. So, yeah, I I really really liked it. Um, similar to First Reformed, you watch it and you're like, oh, I feel like a like a cavity in my chest. Mm-hmm. Different than First Reformed, but I think Paul Schrader has a really interesting fascination with like people who do fucked up stuff that he isn't trying to like rehabilitate necessarily, but is just trying to like, okay, here is the human place that they're at and how like a human being feels in this situation, which I think this movie like excels at. And I I saw one YouTube review today that really pissed me off where they're like, uh, this movie should have been more stylish. It looked so boring, which like, that's the fucking point. Like this guy's life is like, so tortured. Oh, like he's that so is... tormented by his past that like everything is like drab and covering the hotels and just like the, everything in this movie is like gray and cement and nothing is pretty to look at. And I think it works perfectly for it. Um, yeah. So not an easy watch. Definitely not like a, not a speedy one either, but I think just like as a text, it's very rich. Yeah. And you know, I don't want to add too much to that because I think you nailed it perfectly, but I think that Schrader does a great job too. Like, just like you mentioned, he, he just, he understands the human condition. And I do think that I enjoyed this movie a little bit more than, uh, than first reformed, uh, just a little bit more. Um, and I think basically the basic reason for that is I felt like I understood um, I understood the conflict that that laid in Ty Sheridan's character a little bit more, right? Even though he's not necessarily the main character, like I felt like there was a, I could relate to him in a way, right? Like I just mm-hmm. felt like his his issue and his angst was understandable. Uh, and I honestly, man, I think so, you know, I watched scout's guide to the zombie apocalypse for the, <laughs> the zombie week review. Ty Sheridan's a lead in that. These obviously are two drastically different performances, but I think he's a really talented actor actually. And I think that he doesn't fit the traditional mold of a, of a leading man because he doesn't, he's not like, he's not like gorgeous. Let me put it that way. Like he's not ugly, but he's like an every he he has a very everyman look to him, right? Yeah. And and so I think that you know, being twenty four, he's not like this physical specimen, so he's probably not getting these you know action movies or offered a ton of like super like iconic roles. And he's he's kind of you know he got he got cast in Ready Player One, and since then he's kind of just I mean done movies like this right see some smaller yet interesting movies in my opinion but i, I Which, thought in fairness you get what you deserve with ready player one but... <laughs> sure in fairness yes <laughs> but i don't know i think he's a very uh, i think he's a very good actor and i i really am interested in seeing him him do more more roles like this because i think he doesn't he does have chops he does have chops um i think that other part to mention in this is even though this movie is like not a confined movie it has a very small cast a very small cast and it feels like this like you mentioned like the movies the movie's not long but it moves at a snail's pace right i mean this is a slow moving film yeah and it's not the type of story that needs to be told like bam stuff happening because it is about this like build up of it it is a heavy movie and watching it like i think the weight of everything is is obvious to the viewer that just like as it goes on this like we can get into it more in spoilers but like melancholy is almost the word because like 
uh, yeah, the, the, I think the more I'll talk about this movie, the more I will like it. And it's definitely one that I'm not like excited to rewatch, but I'll probably end up watching again at some point. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Like I, it is not a movie that I'm like quick to go back to, but the more I think about it and just like, cause I haven't really honestly thought about it since I watched it. I remember seeing it and being like, man, that was really fucking good. And you know, knowing that you're going to watch it, I will talk about it. And I haven't really revisited it in my mind, but now just talking to you, I'm like, this is a really good movie. Like I don't like, it hasn't gotten like, it, it, it no, it's not in got, it has not gotten the love anywhere close to first reform. got right. And I don't really understand. I don't really know why. I don't know if it's because that had the A24 button on it. I think that shows a lot of people yeah. on those kinds of movies where they're like, Ooh, yeah. Uh, hereditary. And I think it's also easier to pick apart religion than it is our military, even though they're kind of closely intertwined in a lot of people's minds. But wouldn't you agree? Like it's. Yeah. Let me tell you, I've been doing some reading about, I've been on some Wikipedia pages, Brian, and the religious ties to things that this movie discusses is disturbing and sobering to say the least yeah okay um i yeah anyways well, well let's go ahead and get to spoilers because i we're, we're poking this around if you haven't seen this film if you liked anything else that paul schrader's done you i think you'll enjoy this movie um oscar isaac's performance is terrific tiffany haddish is terrific ty sheridan all the actors are just out of this world i think in this movie and i think um i think it needs to be seen i think people need to see it to understand um but yeah, if you don't want to hear anything else you want to say or do you want to move to spoilers? Let's move on. If you don't want to hear spoilers for the card counter, stop listening right now. The balls of Paul Schrader or whoever greenlit the movie's release date to release the day before the 20th anniversary of 9-11. <laughs> right. Just like biggest dick move of all time. One of those where it's like he's just asking for people to talk shit about, right? I mean, just amazing like you said balls <laughs> balls on balls on balls um i man the the commentary on um just the whole like military don't ask questions enhanced interrogation technique like that whole like that was just that was like a kind of a side note to everything but like one thing I really I think is interesting here that should be addressed and we should talk about is the effects of something like that. Like, you know, th- it focuses on Abu Gra Abu Abu Grade. Is that how you say Abu Grade? But Abu Grave, I think is how Abu I said the beginning. But it, it this is more about okay, yeah, they, they did some fucked up shit there, right? They did some very uh, horrible torture and abusive things, but guess what? Those people had to come home, even though they did some. And and the and the toll that it took on their lives back in the states, the toll that war takes and all these things take on families. It doesn't. You don't just leave those things uh, where they took place, right? And the trickle down effect of Willem Dafoe's character um, and just. I, I, it just, I just think that it like the subtext and and uh, thoughtfulness behind this storytelling was just it, it it hit a special place for me. Yeah, and I think because it never goes, the movie never goes out of its way to be like, see, Oscar Isaac's like he's a good guy. The but the movie, I mean, kind of what I was saying before about like this weight, this like. Uh, like you're being pressed to death by or uh, Oscar Isaac's William Tell is being just like crushed by this knowledge that like, yeah, I like totally fucking deserve whatever happens to me. And I'm like just trying to exist. And then the solace that comes because I wouldn't even say the movie has a sad ending necessarily like the very end of it. um, Because there is a like a return to like something he knows in the routine of that life and not having to like live in the shadow of just like the heinous things that him being <laughs> implicated in Abu Ghraib, um, like bring into question, like just horrific acts of violence and how those carry him around. And like 
because he's never he's never like, oh, you'll never you'll never lock me up again, fuckers. <laughs> yeah, because it's like it's not that and it's melancholy and it's like him living knowing that. Like, yeah, I have participated in evil. And I think that's extremely compelling. Uh, reminded me a little bit of, um, have you read Mother Night, the Kurt Vonnegut? No, I haven't. All right. Well, I won't spoil Mother Night, but c- deals with similar things to that where it's like, well, you can, uh, but what I won't spoil Mother Night. Um, great book. Everyone read Mother Night by Kurt Vonnegut. Yeah, I'll, 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 <laughs> I'll definitely check it out. I think that you you mentioned you know it ends in a like a semi-happy place because even though it ends with you know um ty sheridan's character trying to kill willem dafoe's character and then you know um oscar isaac realizing that he failed to steer this man in the way this young young man in the way that he ultimately wanted to um and Kind of realizing, like, you know, um, I need to make amends for what I've done. Like, he he tried to like put a um, he had this like gaping wound, right? This this axe wound in his, in, in his heart for the things that he had done. And he, in in his mind, in the movie, you see him. If I can help this 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 guy, you know, not do this thing. If I can help him actually succeed in life, then. I've done my moral obligation and I've kind of made amends for what I've done in the past. Right. But obviously things don't end up that way. And so he ends up killing Willem Dafoe's character, which by the way, having all that take place off screen again, just brilliant direction, great writing. And just, you know, we don't need to see the brutality on screen. Um, He, he stumbles out and he's covered in blood and he's, he immediately calls the cops, but he, he gets, catharsis and he gets a little bit of healing by taking another life which is really just fucked up to think about like but he also is in a place where he in prison now for the rest of his life i suspect where he feels comfortable like in the routine and he feels like this is what he deserves but also he made amends to every with everything he did this person who he sees as a symbol of whether it's you know um you can view it as like the American military comp, um, you know, just machine and him putting his, uh, putting him in a position to, you know, do unsavory things. Like he's getting recompense for that, but also like he's, you know, avenging this kid's horrible life and death, but also like he's taking his build up frustration with his own life out on this situation. But in the end, He's back to a place where in the beginning we learn that he doesn't really care to be there. Like, so it is somewhat of like, just like, he's okay being in a prison, right? Yeah. Like he says something along the lines of like, you get, you get, you get fed, you get a shower and you get a, a roof. What more, what more could you ask for kind of thing? What more could a guy want? Um, I think that the, like, I think that there's a lot of context in this movie that could really, um, like I feel like this is a movie that kind of I, I kind of do need to see again because like I feel like there's a lot that can just be drawn from each character. What did you think about um Tiffany Haddish's performance? I was I didn't know too much about this going into it. I thought she was great. I was actually like, oh I have uh, I'm sorry I have a weird trivia behind the scenes story about ahead, this yeah, movie that I ahead. learned today. So very final shot of the movie, they both have their their fingers up to the glass, right? Yeah. And zooms in and it holds that for a while. And you think it's a freeze frame, but like you see a little bit of movement. And apparently that set was built in this old uh, cat food warehouse that was like full of bats and it was like 100 (laughs) degrees. And as that shot is like being held and Paul Schrader's off camera being like, hold it, hold it. um, Oscar Isaac's like, yeah, I'm like sweating my ass off. And Tiffany Haddish, who's in like, I think like, was she wearing like a leather jacket? She was, yeah, she was in, I think a leather jacket. Yeah. And a dress um, maybe. And like wearing a wig too. And apparently she like pulls her wig off 
while they're shooting that. And then Oscar Isaac's finger like starts to move more. And he's like, yeah, I was laughing my ass off shooting that scene because <laughs> it's just so funny. Like her taking her wig off in the middle of it. It's like, oh, wow. There, there was like joy on the set of this movie. That is that is amazing. Uh, I didn't hear that. I think, yeah, like, so I was, like, concerned about Haddish because she's such a uh, a hilarious performer. And I, I should know by now, like, any, like, in order to be a good comedian, you have to have some kind of acting chops, right? And her performance in this was, like, so subdued. I was, like, actually kind of shocked because she's such an over-the-top personality, you know? I I felt like what, she really honey? Wow! Are you kidding me? Really? You just ruin it she, every she's time. Really I see you at home. Oh, wait a second! Oh, she brings the, now, a how would you not know that that was taking place? Um, and I they could have cast a million different people, but I really I I loved her in this performance. Yeah, and such like a a specific person to cast in your right. very serious drama. It's like. Uh, it sucks that how old is Paul Schrader? Uh, he's got to be in his seventies, I would think, right? It's like, oh, just let this guy cast whoever the fuck he wants in whatever sad boy movie he's going to make after, <laughs> right? Yeah, like something like totally out of pocket. Um, but no, I I thought she was excellent. There's like really no Ty Sheridan too was also a weird pick because I'm like, oh, I've seen him in nothing good, right? And then is like like a completely compelling dramatic actor in this. And I was like, Oh, not that I expect like Paul Schrader to cast like washed out child actor number 87 as like, like clearly the guy's got talent if he's in this movie. Um, but you know, I wanted to bring up the, cause the other fucking thing in this YouTube review I was watching, don't even remember the channel name. I'm not going to shout him out. He was like, they make, poker they should make poker look exciting why is the poker in this movie so boring which i was watching it i'm like i love how like clinical this is like there's nothing exciting about it it's like this is just this guy's life and like the rooms like i said before just like cement and sterile and there's no it's not like molly's game where everyone's like quipping the whole time it's just like fucking depressing to watch i feel like this this reviewer you're talking about just like totally missed the point of Oscar Isaac's character. <laughs> like he is in a prison within it. He's built a prison for himself, right? Like that is who he is. Like he, he doesn't derive joy from this. This is how he merely survives. I read uh, an interview. It might've been the same interview where I learned that story about the wig. Um, but uh, Paul Schrader was talking about how he had never he grew up in a very Calvinist household had not seen a movie until he was 17. Um, oh, wow. But this like core principle of Calvinism being that the like corporeal uh, form of humanity is like inherently a prison of your soul and mind. And he's like, yeah, I don't necessarily subscribe to that, but like, that's basically what I'm getting at here. Just like totally laying out the point of the movie, yeah. which is like, oh, but I'm like, usually it's like, oh yeah, let people figure it out themselves. But since it has like such a specific, like this is this like belief that I grew up being told all the time. And that is what I'm getting at here. I'm like, that is super fascinating to read about. I, yeah, I totally agree. I think one of the, like, Back to Ty Sheridan's character, I, one of the reasons I really appreciated the way that he was written in this is that it, it would be really easy and I think a, a really popular thing to do is to paint this character as some sort of incel or alt-right or proud boy. You know what I mean? Like to, to have him be like this fringe, you know, right-wing lunatic who mm. – or just – you know, or even – I mean – uh, somebody who is just so over the top, uh, want to commit a mass shooting type person, right? But he doesn't paint him that way. He paints. Every, that's the thing is, everybody in this film, everybody, everyone in this film feels like a real person. And Ty Sheridan's character is almost the most important one, is because you you're rooting for him not as much as you might hate Gordo, aka Willem Dafoe's character. You don't want this kid to fuck up his life, right? This isn't we're not glorifying his revenge, which I also enjoy like this. Yeah, we want the opposite to happen. Yeah, because for a story where like revenge is the center of it to have it be like, oh, God, I hope this doesn't fucking happen Mm -hmm. is. 
rare. And I also think, like I was saying before about just the way he writes characters, not a sympathetic way, but just a way that like, yeah, this is a person who's out there and you might not like it and it's not you. But and I think honestly, and this is this is going off a little bit into a, a wider issue than just this movie. But the fact that everyone, especially online, feels the need to judge like art or stories based off of the uh, like whether or not the character is like an upstanding human being. <laughs> right. Yeah. Is like like have you read like a book <laughs> did you like read the books you were assigned in high school it's right. like like jay gatsby is not the hero he's like an incredibly tragic person mm-hmm. and there's like tragic people all around you like yeah it fucking sucks when people are like anti-vax QAnon freaks however like that's still a person exactly yeah. like like you shouldn't root for anyone to like die right like, <laughs> everyone ha- right all humans have humanity right like we're not that that is i totally agree you know we're not talking about some sadistic serial killer here right we're, we're like you're we we there's a reason that their good stories have nuance right it is in humanity i, yeah, I totally agree like, he's not just like oh i love pepe now i want to fucking kill some guy <laughs> it's like no he has an incredibly tragic series of events that led him up to this point and it's like yeah that's never happened to me i'd probably be pretty upset yeah, about it right, too if it right. did um but yeah no i think you're totally right that it, it there's just so much nuance to to every character he puts to screen and just so much believability that i think in in lesser hands a story like this would would be like you can see this movie being made and i like the film war dogs starring miles teller and jonah mm-hmm. hill there is a version of this movie that's like world series of poker here we go yes. awesome gambling montage yep. you're absolutely and right like that sucks and that totally misses the point of just like a very sad character study on somebody who has put forth like unspeakable evil into the world and like more than anything wishes they could repent mm-hmm. for that but knows that they can't that beautifully but i don't i don't want to say anything else true because i think you just that was the, the you 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 just nailed it like I, I i could talk about this film forever but i think that what you just said honestly um sums it up perfectly and uh one thing that i do want to say that has nothing to do with this is now one thing this movie did do that first reform didn't is now i want to go back and watch some of the other movies that he has uh directed and and written well this is only the fourth directorial uh, didn't he direct? Uh, yeah, but he directed um, Blue Collar, right? The it's right, a yeah. Richard Richard Pryor uh, Harvey Keitel movie, which um, just on paper sounds crazy, and I never heard of it before. So it made me it made me want to like go to watch that. Um, so maybe maybe a maybe a Schrader double feature. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Feature. I. I uh, I hope he continues to make movies though. Um, I, I, he's getting up there in age. He, like I mean, he he's obviously known for, to be a longtime uh, partner of uh, Scorsese and has written movies like Taxi, etc. Last Temptation of Christ. Uh, yeah, he's seventy five. So he's I mean I mean hey, if he wants to retire, um, he he deserves it. But I would love to see more stuff by him. Um, anything else you want to say? I think you summed it up great. I don't want to cut you off though. If you if you have anything else you want to say. No, I think I think I said my piece. All right, Drew, we have uh, I, you know everybody. I'm probably tired of me mentioning you're in school. I'm moving, but we have a crazy couple weeks coming up, um, and lots of good movies coming out. We'll do our best to review them in a timely manner. Um, do you have any interest? I totally forgot this. when we were talking about movies that we were going to review and coming up. Do you know what I'm going to ask you right now? By the way. Do you have any no time internet? to die. I totally fucking forgot about that. That wasn't even it. But oh. <laughs> we, I totally forgot that movie was coming out. This is my life right now, Drew. I don't even know my ass from my mouth right now, which is a problem. Um, Let's see. Okay. So my choices here, we'll talk about Dune. We already have plans for that. French Dispatch, I think, comes out. I forgot about that one, too. The Shit. Final Duel. Um, The Last Duel? 
last duel is that what you're gonna ask me no about? no 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 not at all actually i this is a movie that i hadn't seen a trailer for in a long time i kind of forgot about it how do you feel about ghostbusters afterlife that comes out soon. <laughs> yes i know i oh, that got pulled forward didn't it that was originally like yes spring of next year um i feel nothing not something that you want to review i mean hey I don't want to force you to watch it or review it. Just Are you excited for it, Brian? Um excited. Am I excited for it? I am interested in this. It it comes out November nineteenth, so it's it's about a month away. But I just saw some of the early reviews and they were like pretty glowing. So it kind of made me more excited. But I think I think either way with that one, it'll be like, oh, this is like a really fun blockbuster or uh, it'll be a good sink your teeth into this is like studio trash. So I think there will be an interesting episode in there somewhere. OK. All right. That, that's that, that's further down the line. And like I said, it's about a month away. But I just I saw that it was coming out and, and, and there were reviews for it already. And I was like, wait a minute, this movie's coming out. What? Uh, I forgot no time to die. Maybe we'll review that. Uh, too uh, late. Too late. Too late. <laughs> um, I think so. I think you're right. I think honestly, I think probably Dune might be our next episode. Just the way that time is rolling in right now. Um, uh, unless you have any, unless you want to review Halloween Kills, which I think comes out Friday, but I don't. I doubt you'll. You're not a huge horror fan, right? I like you know what I really want to see, and I don't know if it has a release date. Antlers that Jesse Plemons. Oh movie. yeah, well that was supposed to come out. That, I think that was like on. Remember uh, when we before pre-COVID we did our like most anticipated films of 2020. I'm pretty yeah, sure I remember that was talking on there. About that yeah, in like my other dorm that I lived in two years ago. When um, is that genuinely? Out? Like maybe I don't know if I'm like. I mean I don't know the release date. I'm pretty sure it has one, so it can't be oh, that excited. October fifteenth. Oh, we have to see Antlers. I'm down with it. I, I think I'm more excited for that movie than like anything else on the release calendar, to be honest. Directed by Scott Cooper, um, who is, in my opinion, a very talented director. Out of the Furnace, Crazy Heart, Hostels. This is a weird movie for him to direct, but I'm... I'm all about this. And it's like a like a weird cryptid thing and like oh my god, right yeah. up my alley. Well, so we'll probably yeah, that'll probably actually that'll probably that might be on our list before um Yeah, it's the week before Dune. Yeah, so there you go. Alright. Well, Drew, I think that's gonna do it for this episode of the Midnight Film Review. We'll catch you on the flip side. Goodbye. <laughs>